Support for Paradox comes from the Timothy Center, your online counseling center no matter where you live. The Timothy Center is a marriage and family counseling facility in Austin, Texas, offering distance consultations for those that live outside the Austin area. If you have questions and you'd like to consult with Jimmy, Josh, or one of their licensed professionals, visit them at timothycenter.com. Recording live from Austin, Texas, a conversation about marriage and family that women will love and guys won't want to turn off. Dr. Jimmy Myers and Dr. Josh Myers are a paradox. Welcome everybody, I'm Jimmy. And I am Josh. And we are, y'all probably know who we are. Uh, we're the Paradox. And um, pumped about today's, well, I'm, this is I'm just. feeling kind of cold in here. Oh, yeah? Brr. <laughs> like, well, no, there's no snowflakes in here. Oh. Well, just. No, it's hot in here. No, we melt snowflakes. There's so many snowflakes in our culture. <laughs> I'm so cold. Yes. When you walk outside into culture. You get cold. Brr. We're going to be talking about how not to raise a snowflake. Or the more creative side of me thought we could say how to melt a snowflake prior to it freezing. Jimbo, what is a snowflake? All you have to do is, is, is just read any article of news. It's, you know who they are. They're the, they're the spoiled, rotten, entitled millennials and Generation Z, which is following behind the millennials. If you think the millennials were bad, get a load of teenagers now. I think also the snowflake does include some millennials. Oh, it does. Yeah. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And the interesting thing, there's just so, it's the generation thing is kind of weird. It is. That's all I'm going to say. <laughs> <laughs> I have no point to that. Oh, okay. <laughs> well, you are right. It's... Uh, yeah, I'm a I'm a baby boomer. Yeah, but you are like like right on the tail end. Yeah, you you totally are more Gen X. <laughs> what? <laughs> Your tail end of baby boomer and and then beginning of Gen X. I'm tail end of Gen X and beginning of millennial. Really? Yeah, it's kind of a twenty year cycle, and this is why I said it was weird, but didn't want to get into it because I weigh no way too much about the generations. Oh. It's kind of like the early '60s and then the early '80s. Huh. So you possibly, as a quasi Gen Xer, had quasi Gen Xers yourself. Yes. Isn't that weird that y'all had kids so early? Yes. So y'all would recognize a snowflake from some of these words. Have you ever been triggered? Uh, have you ever experienced a microaggression? These are made up words by insane people. They have feelings, Jimbo. You no, they don't. Insane. They're insane. They're certifiably. I just read it. I mean, and it, every time I think, well, gosh, we've jumped the shark. This is about as bad as it could possibly get. Just uh, this past week, uh, there's, uh, and they all tend to be coming from liberal arts colleges in the North and Northeast. No, not really. They're kind of all over every place. But uh, this college was removing the scales from their gymnasium workout facility because the scales were triggering. <laughs> I know. It's like, you couldn't write this. You know, I've if you been were, triggered my whole life then. If you were a, you couldn't make this stuff up if you tried. 
So, we should have sued. I, uh, in the third or fourth grade, could not weigh under the Pop Warner 125 limit. Oh, my Lord. We could be millionaires. Yes, when we took That Josh, was a microaggression. Oh, don't you know? It, it was fat shaming. It was. I have been shamed to this day by Pop <laughs> Warner. They said, when we went down to uh, sign him up, they said, well, there is a 125-pound limit. I said, for one of his legs? I mean, yeah, that would if we <laughs> flopped one of his legs up on that scale. Now who's microaggression? Aggressioning. <laughs> so that's what a snowflake is. We all have heard of them. But here's the thing. Also, I saw, hold on, sorry. I saw on uh, The Wrap uh, this week, I actually retweeted it. It was, a, it was a research study by CBS TV Ratings and Nielsen Catalina Solutions. And adults are now, well... Individuals are now not considering themselves adults until 30. Correct. 30. Yes. That's the weirdest thing I've ever heard. And you would have the women of the depression that were picking cotton, and then they'd just go inside, drop a baby, and walk back out and keep picking cotton. Well, and yeah, and uh, Papa, my grandfather, your father in law, stopping school in middle school. To help oh, yeah. his family on the farm provide for itself. Absolutely. At 12, he was more of an adult than these folks. Which is why we have to thank the Lord above that Hitler showed up when he did. If Hitler would come around today, we'd be doomed. So that's what a, that's what a snowflake is. And here's the problem. We all know the problem, but go ahead. I keep interrupting you. Yeah, you do. And, um, you know, the whole uh, Affordable Health Care Act and Trump yes. and all that's in the news now. And one of their biggest points is you'll still be able to have insurance on your parents' insurance until 26. Until and you're I'm like, 26 years old. 26, you can't provide your own insurance. <laughs> It's yeah. the weirdest thing. So I don't know if you've heard of this guy's name, but his name is Simon Sinek. And he's like this big leadership guru, worked for big Fortune 500 companies. And here's what he said. He, this was a video blog that, that he was on. He said, many millennials or younger today grew up being subjected to failed parental parental strategies. They were told that they were special all the time. They were told that they could do anything they wanted in life just because they wanted it. Some kids got into honor classes not because they earned it, but because their parents complained. They got participation medals, medals for even coming in last. And the science is very clear that this practice, giving people who come in last a medal, devalues the medal for those who worked hard for it and makes the kid that comes in last embarrassed. When these kids, are then thrust into the real world. In an instant, they learn that they are not special. Their moms can't get them a promotion. You get nothing for coming in last, and you just can't have it because you want it. And in that instant, their entire self-image is shattered. The snowflake. The snowflake. We don't like it, but we're the ones producing them. Yeah, we're crippling these kids. And the, the, talking about our failed parental strategies, and we've touched on this a couple of times, and, and we'll keep touching on it. It provides the, the problem is it provides these children a warped worldview. They grow up thinking that if I just find something troubling, it will be removed out of my life. But when I get to college and I find 
scales to be triggering. Oh, yeah, they don't tell me I'm an idiot and leave. They remove the scales. Yeah, they placate them, too. Holy cow. It warps their worldview because at some point. But if they were to work for the Timothy Center. Oh. We would fat shame them. Just send them here. (laughs) And we have these little dog collar type things. Jimbo fat shames me all the time. Oh, yeah. You look at a Twinkie and I zap you. (laughs) <laughs> so it warps their world worldview. It we all hate entitled, you know, trust fund babies may be the grossest human being on the planet. But they used to be few and far between. Uh, exactly. It's, it's now it's now them. It's just on a larger scale. Yes. And they are ill prepared. And ask anybody. Daniel, my son-in-law, your brother-in-law works for Google, and he'll tell you. You know, some of the. They're just ill. He does recruiting uh, for Google. And some of these people are completely unprepared to survive outside the womb that is their home or possibly the college that they're in. So what do we do to avoid this? What do we do to make sure we do not raise a snowflake? You've heard this before. You'll hear it again. You have to disappoint them. Starting at an early age. Yes. Um, Make disappointment their friend. They have to hear no from you and for no other reason but because. You don't have to provide them rationale that that makes sense to them in their myopic, nearsighted, idiotic brain. (laughs) You just disappoint because that's life. Work. Work and work and work and work. They need to work. And another thing I would suggest is that they work. Jimbo made me work at 15. When they're little, you have them do chores. We wonder why they're entitled. And then I am flabbergasted at how many parents do not have their children do any chores at all. So they just live their life. And mom runs around after them, picking up, feeding them, cleaning their plates. It, they grow up thinking, oh, other people just follow around wiping my hiney for me when I'm capable of wiping it myself. And so we're teaching them this. So we have them do chores when they're young. As soon as they are able to legally be employed, they're employed. They get a job. That is part of raising a good kid is they have a job. And when they go to college, they work. Study, UT did a study just a couple of years ago that the more a student has, a fin, has financial skin in the game, their own financial skin in the game, the better that they do. And I don't know where this happened, that children grew up to think mom and dad are, your generation. are going to pay a quarter of a million dollars for me to go to school. And my job is going to be to go to class. I'm not going to say which one of my children said this. Oh, excuse me. Just a second. Oh, I got to see. Excuse me. Oh. What was that? Uh, Nothing. But one of my children, oldest female, said, well, Dad, don't you think that going to class will be my job? That'll be my job? And I know, I know there's so many parents that just go, no, baby, you go to class. But again, especially, you know, 
because I had two kids in college, three by grad school, working two and three jobs and going to school full time. And I'm not saying that's the way to go. I'm just saying, no, going to class isn't your job. Um, uh, going to sorority things was too. Uh-huh. Hello. And that's what, you know, it's not that, it's not that their school is going to suffer. In fact, if they have a job, they do less partying and most likely their grades might improve. Uh, if they're if they were able to get a job, so and work early and often to stick up for Sarah. She did get a job, and she yeah, worked. she did. She, she worked was, very very hard. She was fantastic. I would also say she if, was just a sleep pellet. If she they're kind of above, if they can join the military, and they're still in your home, not doing much, kick them out. <laughs> that would be my number two. It's not, I really do, I have a lot of parents that believe if we just keep them in long enough, some the light switch is going to go off and they're going to get it together. It's not happening. No. Um, not until they have to. Um, and so the most loving Bridget thing brother. you can do would be removing them from the home. The boot. And that's, there's nothing in scripture that speaks to that. The, the thing that comes closest for me, and this is if you have an adolescent in the home or a 20-something would be just church discipline. There comes a point where if you approach somebody about their sin um, and you approach them, they don't listen. You take a pastor or a friend, they don't listen. There comes a point if you approach them enough that actually God wants us to remove them from our church presence. This is not a punitive thing that we remove them from. It's actually a redemptive thing. We hope by removing them from our presence that they get a clue. Mm-hmm. And they come back into the fold. Mm-hmm. Removing them from the home so that they get a clue is maybe one of the most loving things you can do for them yes. at that point. Yes, and, and, and when, since we're on, you know, these older kids, you know, maybe out of college or they, a failure to launch, let's just say that, there needs to be a very, very clear understanding what, it would, requ- what would be required of them should they come back and live at your house. Again, that they have a job and they pay rent. But also, if they fail to comply, it's that old thing of, well, then you're choosing not to live here. I mean, I love you to death and I'd never kick you out of the house, but you can choose not to live here. And if we say you've got to have a job for a part-time job and you've got to be going to school or a full-time job, and you will treat us with respect and you'll pick up after yourself and blah, 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 whatever, And if they just refuse to do it, they simply can't live there anymore. You know, once they're out of high school, once they're out of our house, then gone are the days of, okay, give me your cell phone for two weeks. That's mm -mm. either they comply or they simply do not live there. And one other thing, and now we're talking about much younger kids is, and this is, this is our doing as well, parents. Our kids need to have a firm understanding from a very early age the concept of ownership. So that is not my bicycle. It's not my backpack. Eventually, when they turn 16, it is not their smartphone. All those, th- every th- everything in their life is owned by their parents. And their parents allow them to have it, use it, play with it. Um, but depending on their behavior, that can go away. And by the way, to include themselves, their physical body. As a minor, they really don't have any rights. No. And they need to understand that you own them as well. (laughs) 
Yeah. And sometimes these very entitled kids, how many times have you heard it? Get out of my room. You can't do that. That's my backpack. Sure I can. Why'd you go through my phone? Sweet girl, you didn't pay for the phone. I own you. (laughs) Yes. Again, a child has no power in the home except emotional terrorism. Give in to my demands or you will pay a heavy price. And there are often times that we will make horrible parenting choices just out of fear of what the kid's response is going to be. And it's like, oh my, we have abdicated the throne, so to speak. So we want to avoid snowflakes. I would also add um, from an early age, well, at birth, the home does not need to revolve around your children. Um, That teaches them this same snowflake Mm -hmm. lesson. Uh, You know, a hundred years ago, a mom or a woman that stayed at home was either a homemaker or a housewife. Now they're what? My children's mom. (laughs) They're stay-at-home moms. We've even changed the verbiage away from being a spouse, away from the home actually into now we're geared towards and we're focused on the children. children. Um, Our home should not have children at the center of it. Um, It should be God first, marriage second, and then children. And decisions should filter down accordingly. Um, So it's very important that the children are not the center of our home. So this is one of the more troubling things of our time that we are, we are raising a generation of children with zero resilience, none. They have no capacity to roll with life. And mom and dad, they're coming out of our homes. And so if we don't like this in our society, then we've got to take steps now as parents to put an end to it. As my dad used to say, put a quietus to it, <laughs> which is really putting an end. That's bad. R.I.P. Yeah. Andy. All right. If this uh, information hit home for you, if you feel like you'd like more steps on how do we stop producing snowflakes. And if you're mad at Josh for being so gruff and abrupt, (laughs) go ahead. Give him the email address. Uh, Paradoxpodcast.com. Go to our website and our episodes tab. Find this episode and find those three to four steps. You can always call us. It's timothycenter.com is our counseling services, and we offer distance consultations, not only Jimmy and myself, but also our licensed professionals. Um, So we can help you out there. And then if you want to follow uh, the show or us individually on Facebook, Twitter, or Instagram, it's paradoxpodcast.com. You can go to our website and find those. Don't raise a snowflake. Guys, it was fun. Have a good rest of your day. See ya. Paradox is produced by Billy Lee Myers Jr. and researched by Dr. Jimmy and Dr. Josh Myers. For more information about our Paradox evangelist, Julie Lyles Carr, go to julielylescarr.com. If you want more details about what was discussed on today's show, go to paradoxpodcast.com. Next time on Paradox. I think building a marriage is more like building a brick house that you put together brick by brick. And if you stop at any point along the way, even if you're 80% of the way done, the house doesn't finish itself. In fact, it gets worse. The elements come in, it begins to decay, and it starts to collapse.